Welcome to the Europe Reader podcast. My name is Rosie Goldsmith. I'm director of the European Literature Network. I'm a journalist, I'm a broadcaster and presenter of the Europe Reader podcast, a series of audio conversations with riveting authors from across Europe. You may already know my nickname, Rosie the Riveter, and our magazine, The Riveter, as well as our riveting reviews and riveting interviews, all dedicated to giving European writers the prominence they deserve. In this special podcast series, the European Literature Network is teaming up with Europe Reader, a groundbreaking digital platform initiated by the Slovenian Presidency of the EU Council, with the support of EU member states and EU institutions. Our joint motto is open a book for a better future. And our goal is to tackle the main topic of our times, the future of living. Through events and podcasts like these, we want to get readers everywhere, exchanging ideas, reflecting on the kind of world we want to live in and how literature and books can help. Find out more about Europe Reader by logging on to their website, europereader.eu. You can also read free books from each featured author in each EU member state on the website, both in the original language and in English translation. There are novels, short stories, poetry, comics, essays, and some beautiful picture books for younger readers. Each riveting Europe Reader interview is dedicated to one author, and today, I'd like to introduce you to the Bulgarian author, Alexander Shpatov. Now, Alexander, you're in Sofia, yes? Yep, Is yep. that your where you were born, where you were bred, where you write, where you work? Absolutely. 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 <laughs> I'm pretty Sofia-based, I could say. <laughs> I've just moved around the city a bit, but that's all. I've, all my life, all my 35 years, I've lived here. I believe I haven't been out of the city for more than two weeks. Two years ago, I went into a one-month residency in Skopje, but uh, halfway through, I decided to come back just for for the weekend and go back. So even my one-month residency abroad uh, was uh, was decreased significantly. <laughs> Have you got any curiosity to go abroad, or are you so married to Sofia sure, that sure. you don't want to go? No, I travel a lot, but never for more than two weeks. And uh, it's always this strange feeling when you're fed up with your city, you want to leave it and never come back. But then I start missing it, uh, missing my friends and family and uh, always come back here. So you write short stories, you publish short stories, you do an awful lot of things. <laughs> so I don't know quite where to start. You're a lawyer, you're a tour guide, you give literary tours of Sofia, um, you're doing a PhD, you're a screenwriter, a scriptwriter, you've written a sitcom for Bulgarian television and you promote libraries and reading. Where is the best place to start with your story, do you think? <laughs> well, uh, one thing comes after the other. So basically, uh, I started writing short stories. I wrote this book about Sofia and afterwards, um, the municipality got in touch with me. So uh, they said, let's do something together. And I had for a long time this idea of making a small library in downtown Sofia, and I used the opportunity to make this uh, dream come true. So now in the very downtown of Sofia, we have one small place uh, dedicated to contemporary literature, and it's uh, right next to the uh, like photo-op place of Sofia. That's the National Theatre. That's the postcard of the city. So once you get your fo uh, photo-op, you go to the library. We have uh, 
a huge collection of uh, modern books, which is something that lacks in the normal libraries of Bulgaria, and have lots of readers, which is the best thing. This has been going on for the past six years. Another thing we wanted to do, we wanted to promote reading. So um, uh, being the author uh, writing exclusively about Sofia, I decided to start doing literature tours. And um, Bulgarian literature is, has developed in such a way that basically virtually all of our classics have lived in Sofia in one point of their life. So you can cover the whole history of Bulgarian classical literature by uh, going on a tour uh, that a kilometer and a half in length. Two hours at the most. So it's pretty convenient to tell the story of Bulgarian literature, starting from our library and finishing off, off at another place that's very famous, the St. Alexander Nevsky Cathedral, where the grave of our most famous uh, author, Ivan Vazov, is located. So it's a two hours uh, tour, which covers everyone, basically. <laughs> And it's really interesting for me because I visited Bulgaria several times for the BBC in the 1990s after the end of communism. And I saw Bulgaria change quite a lot, you know, from the, the communist period into the 90s, then later becoming a member of the European Union and NATO and trying to modernise. I also covered a corruption story. There was a kind of Bulgarian mafia story that I covered for the BBC as well. So for me, Bulgaria still has that image in my head of the emerging from communism, lots of problems, that kind of thing. But still, you know, I love Bulgaria. I think it's a beautiful country. But what is happening now? Has it, in your view, has it modernised? Is it now, you know, a really kind of normal, normal city, whatever that is? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this is what I tried to do with, with my book about Sofia, basically, was uh, we have um, uh, many layered stereotypes about uh, Sofia, Bulgaria, and so forth. But if you see an instant picture of the city, of the city as it is right now, you're going to see uh, a picture without those stereotypes. You're going to see a really modern, nice city in which you could do a lot of things. But if you know about the mafia, the communist past, and so forth, you're going to probably have a mixed feelings in the beginning until you see the, the real situation. What is the real situation? Well, it's a modern, vibrant city with, I guess, somewhat European character. It's a small country. Seven million, but uh, Sofia is um, um, a, a very big city. It's a million and a half at least. A million and a half. So it's a very big city. You obviously love it and know it really well. And it is the subject of your collection of short stories live from Sofia, which we're um, looking at in this wonderful project we're doing, the Europe Reader Project. So tell me about this collection and how it came about. I have to start by telling you what short stories we read in Bulgaria, like what the classics wrote about, like, because I think the, we have a huge tradition in short storytelling. Basically, this is our strongest literary field. So we have great authors in the past, but virtually all of them write about the villages, the village life, and hardly anyone writes about the city. So when I started writing short stories, the critics would say, great urban short stories. And I think this, this could be said only in Bulgaria because I haven't heard this anywhere else, urban stories. Like this is not a genre, it's not a separate thing. It's short stories set up in a city that's absolutely normal. O. Henry would do it all the time, right? I mean, he's, nobody would say about O. Henry, oh, he writes urban short stories about New York. 
he would say he writes great short stories. So when the critics were saying I'm writing urban short stories, I figured out I should concentrate on this thing. So write specifically about the city I know, which is Sofia. If, if I was born somewhere else, I would write this city. But So I concentrated on writing a book specifically about Sofia as the theme of the collection. I wanted to have a simple sentence that explains the whole purpose of the collection. So it's pretty simple, a short story collection about Sofia. I basically covered all the important aspects of the city, the communist past, the future of the city, like some, uh, some stories are more uh, fictional, pretty realistic. It's like a, a zoom tool, which makes you zoom in on the map and zoom in uh, as well on the time scale. You obviously love it, but you also see the problems of Sofia as well. I guess this is the whole point, right? <laughs> I'll give you an example. I have a story set up in Endeka. Um, Endeka is the national, national Palace of Culture. It's a huge building uh, erected during communist times. And it's the Palace of Culture. It's such a strange name. But uh, it was like a conference center with lots of fairs for different types of industries. It wasn't anything in particular about culture. So I did a story where people of the whole cultural spectrum gather together and decide to declare independence. So they found, established the first building state in the world, the first cultural state in the world, and the Caria, named after the colloquial name for this cultural palace. And soon the building state moves to occupy uh, the city, then the whole area, then Europe, and becomes a cultural empire. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's brilliant. It's really brilliant. Yeah. And that, that is a great story, the Endocaria story. And yeah. I can imagine that um, many other countries would be inspired <laughs> to think of what they could do with their old communist national yeah. palaces of culture. Or another example, we have, uh, uh, we used to have uh, the mausoleum of the first uh, communist leader of Bulgaria, who was a pretty shitty guy. And uh, when democracy came, the mausoleum was torn down, uh, but uh, there was huge debate uh, whether this was the right thing to do or, or you should keep your cultural heritage as it, as it is. So in my story, people gather to rebuild this place once again. And the story is called uh, Toiletium, a toilet mausoleum, because at the end, the guy who does the repair works uh, makes a public toilet out of it, a toilet where everybody could piss. <laughs> it's obviously very important for you to be funny and to make people laugh. How are you using your very clever tool of humor? Well, if you if you tell a good story, I think it's always enjoyable. So humor comes in at one point or another. It's not uh, objective, but I think I tend to write lightheartedly. But also you do yeah. make some quite strong political and social points. Has uh, COVID had a bad impact on Sofia and on Bulgaria, on all of you? Well, of course, people got really paranoid. Uh, everything was closed. Our library got closed as well. Um, and uh, right then I was reading, I started to reread uh, the Cameron. And I figured out if our library is closed and people can't uh, get books from it, we should do something about it. So I made a website called uh, The Cameron 2020, where we gathered 100 stories from contemporary Bulgarian authors 
it was kind of a rerun of the whole idea of the original book, uh, just to make people have something to read during quarantine times. The project was very well accepted. We had uh, more readers than we usually have in the library, so it was a big success, in my opinion. Uh, afterwards, it turned out uh, New Yorker did something similar, which was, a, uh, for me personally, was a kind of good point, because... You know, the big uh, thinkers thought of something similar than what we did here. <laughs> well, you're doing great things uh, for Bulgarian yeah. literature, I think. And I know for a fact, because I've had the great pleasure of interviewing several wonderful Bulgarian writers over the past 30 years or so, that you've got some fantastic writers. Tell me what is happening at the moment in the book world in Bulgaria. Well, the biggest name in Bulgarian literature right now is uh, Georgi Uspodinov. Um, I started reading Bulgarian, modern, modern Bulgarian literature with uh, his natural novel, which is an amazing short, which came out right at the end of the 20th century. Then he wrote a great, uh, I, I believe, like very widely translated book, The Physics of Sorrow. And his last book, Time Shelter, came out uh, during COVID. It was the first uh, book I read during uh, quarantine, basically. And it just got uh, a very big prize in Italy and will soon be out in English as well. It's a good time, isn't it, for Bulgarian authors being translated and becoming better known around the world? Let me start in this way. I've been to the London Book Fair and I saw what was happening there. Everybody from all the small countries would go up to the big publishing houses, which are located in the middle of the fair. And they wouldn't talk with each other. So, like, you all go to, to buy thriller books from the biggest publishing house in America, but you never go to your neighbor to ask, is there something good written in, say, Romanian? It's a big problem to, to get translated to a big house. That's absolutely normal. Very few Bulgarians have done it. I don't know how interesting it is for a foreigner to read something about Bulgaria. It's still very exotic, I believe. And we aren't Balkan enough to have this war stories such as the ex-Yugoslavian writers would write. But I still think if you have a good story, you could share it with everyone and everyone would understand it. Does that bother you that people don't read more from Bulgaria? Because as you say, it's not just about the country. It's about good writing, good stories. It bothers me that short stories are considered an inferior genre, basically. If you have a novel, you're okay. If you write short stories, you're. this is like a People tend to think this is like a warm-up thing or uh, it's not that serious. This is my particular problem, basically. Um, basically, there are lots of creative writing courses which uh, make a, a huge supply of short stories available. So there's the inflation of the genre. But at the same time, it's always considered inferior. How easy or difficult is it for a, a young author to get published? in Bulgaria today? Is it, a, is it well, a healthy publishing environment? My first book came, came out when I was 20, I believe. Uh, and it was basically um, a friend of mine, um, a classmate of mine. Uh, his father was a very prominent author, Dejan Enef. He's also got uh, short stories uh, published in English. Circus Bulgaria is the name of the collection. And I asked him if, if he could uh, read some of my stuff and then probably tried to help me get published. And he found a, a lady who was willing to, to publish my book if I pay for it. So it was very easy. And uh, this was the book I made uh, 
uh, most money out of because <laughs> I was basically selling and everything which I sold was uh, revenue for me. Then I was in a TV studio with uh, one very uh, alongside a very prominent Bulgarian publisher. And she said, I like how you talk. Do you have a book ready? Do you want to get published with me? I said, yes. Who's your, uh, who do you want to be your uh, editor? I said, Gospodino. She said, no problem. She called him right away. He said, he said okay. And this is how my second book came out. Then uh, the book about Sofia, I met my publisher at a bar. So we drank together. We figured out I'll publish a book with her. So it was very easy for me. But uh, this was uh, um, at a time when uh, you could still have uh, a lot of uh, venues for publishing short stories here in Bulgaria. Right now, uh, people publish their stuff basically through Facebook. And this doesn't create a common environment for everybody to read. So I guess nowadays it's more difficult to get noticed. So it's actually quite a difficult time to get published. I, I say it's quite difficult to get noticed in the beginning. We don't have a regular weekly short story published. We don't have such thing. If you write a short story now, you publish it on your Facebook page. The publishers or other guys, they won't care because they don't have your Facebook. It's a rougher start nowadays. How do you manage to combine your work and your writing and all the other things you do. I know that you're really active culturally and you, you know, help run this library. You're a lawyer by profession. Do you write at night or first thing in the morning? <laughs> I'm a lawyer and that's why like, I, I hardly can think of a person in Bulgaria who, who writes for a living. So you have to do something else as well. I don't think this is a, a particularly different than anybody else. So you uh, couldn't earn your living by, by, just by writing? No. And I, I told you, like, the only book which I made real money from was my first debut novel, which costed, I believe, two pounds and a half, basically. Per book. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that was it. After this, when you get royalties, the royalties are very small when you consider the market in Bulgaria. Possible. Do you want to write a novel? I don't know. I still haven't written one. I promised to write, but I haven't done it. What role does writing for television or film play for you in your writing life? I don't know if you've noticed this, but video is getting stronger and stronger by the day. Like People consume their news and their information by video now. And especially, this is what I noticed here in Bulgaria, hardly anyone reads anymore. We had um, two waves of uh, big political protests in the past 10 years. The first wave came in 2013. Uh, you had uh, like the, the strongest pieces of, uh, of the, the protests were political essays being written and being read by all the protesters. When uh, last year we had another wave of protests, it was all uh, Facebook Live videos. Nobody cared to write anymore. And uh, I think this is a significant shift in our uh, way of life. We don't want to put the effort uh, reading requires anymore. It's easier to watch videos than to engage your full attention into reading a long text. It's kind of a gloomy picture you're painting. Everything, like the, the whole social media, the whole way media is structured in Bulgaria in particular, tends to move you towards watching videos and not or podcasts or things that don't require your full attention. 
What do you think, Alexander Shpatov, about the Europe Reader project? It's, it's a very ambitious project. It wants to get people reading more. It wants to get people talking about the future, about our world and how we can improve it, and possibly how literature and books can support those changes. Do you think that's possible from your position in Bulgaria? Well, the future of living is closely connected to the future of reading, I believe. If you don't have the reading abilities that we used to have, let's put it this way, the reading abilities of being able to invest your full time and concentration on a long text. If you don't have this, then you're prone to uh, losing yourself in disinformation articles, in the spread of fake news, where you only read the title of the article and that's it. You watch a small video, you, you see the pictures and that's it. The ability to, to read long texts with your full concentration is extremely important. This, this promotes critical thinking. And critical thinking means you're open to the message and you're willing to change your opinion about the, the theme you're reading about. And this is extremely important. People nowadays uh, have their own opinions and aren't willing to change them at all. They stay in their echo chambers, I believe is the term. And, uh, and that's it. How important is it to you as a writer to be part of a European project? Talking about Sofia, Sofia is a European city. So I'm glad that with this project, uh, I'm putting Sofia on the European map where it should be. It's an Asian city. It's a, it's a city that deserves to be on this map, basically. Being part of the European Union for the past uh, 14 years already, I think we don't feel like being a part of it. We haven't sensed this and understood it completely. Anything that proves otherwise is good. So when you see the map of the European Union, you see uh, that in the southeast corner, you have a blue point where Bulgarian is, is shown. But uh, we have to put meaning inside this because many other maps of, with statistics about the European Union shows Bulgaria being on the last spot or on the first spot if it's something bad. If it's something good, the statistic is about usually Bulgaria is last. If it's something bad, for example, vaccinations against COVID, we are the worst of all. That's the sad truth right now. So I want to, to have a more uniform map where Bulgaria and Sofia in particular stands at a place which is equal to all other capitals of Europe. With your short stories, I think you'll achieve that live from <laughs> Sofia. You're making people notice Sofia and Bulgaria as well. Would you be kind enough to read an extract from one of your stories from your collection, Live from Sofia, which we have on our website? And the translator of this is Angela Radell. Which story are you going to read for us? All right, so I'll read the first paragraph of The Yellow Brick Road then, which is a short story about a tour guide in Sofia who's so fed up with saying the same things over and over again. So he invents stories, basically, and nobody can notice because it's their first time in Sofia. So Yellow Brick Road, this is uh, the main street of downtown Sofia, and it's paved with yellow bricks in the same way as the way to the city of Oz was paid. You could draw a parallel here. Believe it or not, an elephant was shot here. The guide points towards the main steps of Sofia University, then turns towards the park with the Soviet monuments and tells the group how it used to be the zoo, how way back in uh, 1969, some freshmen snuck inside and let all the animals out of their cages, how the police, scared by the elephant and the rumors about the Prague Spring, immediately opened fire, even though the zookeepers had already arrived, 
how once again, thanks to the Czechs, no one said so much as a word about it in the newspapers and how in the end, all the freshmen were tossed into labor camps while the, while the animals were packed off to another place much farther from, down, from downtown with concrete cages suited to the purpose and the spirit of the times. There's no point in rehashing Wikipedia. Plus, what are the chances that anybody in the group would remember what year parliament had been built, who the architect was, and that it is actually called the National Assembly rather than parliament? That's why he always added a little something of his own on the tours. When he was in a good mood and had a cool group like the one today, he would even slip in whole new stories and landmarks that nobody here even suspected existed. Now, for instance, they're in front of St. Alexander Nevsky Cathedral, and the guy recalls that when they decided to guide the dome, it turned out that they didn't have enough gold. After all, the country was gearing up for the Balkan Wars, and all its resources had to go towards that. But Sofia Knights started a campaign. Three dentists lined up in front of the unfinished cathedral, and in four short weeks, armed with only pliers and incense, they had extracted more than 10,000 gold teeth from the mouths of otherwise miserly laymen, some of whom had come from as far as Russia or Turnovo, especially to that end. So enthusiastic were they to see the church finished. If you want to read the whole of that short story, The Yellow Brick Road, then you can turn to the Europe Reader website because it's there, it's free for everyone to read. And it's a wonderful collection of short stories, 21 short stories by Alexander Spatov. Thank you so much, Alexander. Thank you and goodbye to Sofia. I look forward to doing the literary tour with you one day of <laughs> Sofia. Sure, I, you're I always you. welcome. Thank you again to Alexander Spatov in Sofia, Bulgaria. My name is Rosie Goldsmith, and thank you so much for listening to today's riveting interview podcast, dedicated to those riveting European authors participating in the Europe Reader Project. You can follow Alexander Spatov and all the authors and read all the books for free on the Europe Reader website. You can also access all our riveting interviews, past and present, on the European Literature Network website. This is a special riveting interview podcast for Europe Reader. Thank you for listening and goodbye.